Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. They're working inside the field house out in Berea, not even wet fields and heavy rain can keep Camp Stefanski from going on out in Berea. I want to thank Tom Withers from the Associated Press for that video. Hi everybody, welcome to Sports for CLE. Hope you are having a great Wednesday. Some news and notes from out in Berea. Case Keenum will get the start in the Browns' first preseason game against the Jaguars on Saturday. Baker Mayfield will not play in that game at all. Uh, today, Miles Garrett, Jadavian Clowney working on the side, not involved in the team drills or the individual drills. Browns say they're just being overly cautious with both of them. Anthony Walker back in team drills was in individual drills. That is a great sign as uh, the middle linebacker back in team drills out in Berea. Kevin Stefanski talked about uh, the difference and why they worked inside today. Obviously, we'd prefer to be outside. Um, if we can, but unfor unfortunately, you know, we got to go inside. I think the, the good news is we're working red zone today. We're working goal line today. So those are short area, smaller area uh, drills, if you will. Um, we've been in there before uh, with, with the full team. So we'll space out as much as we can. And, and it, you know, the intensity ramps up when you're inside and, and there's shorter area and you're not running from one field to the other. So we'll, we'll definitely get our work done. Let's welcome in Doug LaMaurice, uh, columnist for The Plain Dealer, as well as Cleveland.com. Doug, um, big news of the day is that uh, Baker Mayfield not playing in the first preseason game. Uh, not a big deal. Uh, you know, if he doesn't play in any of the preseason games, it's probably just fine. Yeah, I think it'll be good to, to watch Case Keenum run this offense. It's, it's like the forbidden topic, right? Like, nobody wants to ever talk about the backup quarterback because it's like, well, why would you need the backup quarterback? And it's like, well, like, hopefully you don't. But I do think it's valuable, right? I mean, you're, you're right. Baker Mayfield knows what he's doing now. It'll be good to see Case Keenum do it because I think ultimately the thing that I think is very hard to sort of wrap your head around sometimes at the, in the NFL is on one hand, you need a franchise quarterback who can lead you to the Super Bowl and get you over the top and make game-winning plays. And all any team is looking for is a franchise quarterback. And on the other hand, you hope you have a backup that if you needed to, you could slide him right in and do the same thing. 
And it's like, well, how could you do the same thing? Well, because your structures are in place, you have a good play caller, you have a good offensive line, you have a good defense. And hopefully, right, the Browns want to be at that point where they have a franchise quarterback in Baker Mayfield, but they also have a guy who could do it if Baker's not there. So, yes, the headline is Baker's not going to play against Jacksonville, but, like, the second headline is, hey, let's get another reminder of watching Case Keenum run this offense because your backup quarterback remains one of the most important guys on your roster that you hope will barely play a snap this year. So the other thing that has happened in the past couple of days, uh, the first unofficial, official, unofficial depth charts coming out. Um, let's take a look at the offensive line one uh, just because uh, it's kind of nice to look at. Um, and in fact, when you look at those names, they're all the same starters from a year ago. How nice is that? But let's focus on the, um, the, the five up front, Wills, Betonio, Treader, Teller, Jack Conklin. Pro Football Focus says uh, that is one of the best offensive lines um, in football. Um, another year together, you'd think they'd only get better. Yeah, no, they, they, they should. I mean, they were – I think they are, right? I think they are the best offensive line in football because you have – you have at least three guys, maybe four, that really can play at an all-pro level, and then the other guy is a second-year guy who was a top-ten pick who's only going to get better. So, you know, it's you can't take it for granted because it's so unusual to have all five guys back on the offensive line, but especially five guys at a high level. And they probably won't have it again, right, that it's going to be hard to keep, keep those guys together, which is why – I mean, really, I think when you look at the offensive line depth chart, I mean, the two names that, that are the most interesting to me are Nick Harris and James Hudson, because those are two young guys that you drafted hoping that they can be something someday, that you need them to be good enough now that if something goes wrong, you can put them on the field and feel okay. But they are potentially long-term solutions when those top five guys aren't the same top five guys. So that is, again, one of the main things of this season is making sure Nick Harris and, and James Hudson and guys like that take the next step. Chris Hubbard is a great sixth offensive lineman. You know what he is. He can play tackle. He can play guard. He's your swing guy. But they have to develop future starters on this offensive line, and, and Harris and Hudson are the guys who have to take that step where they can feel good about them after this year. Yeah, and, and, you know, you and I are pretty impressed with uh, that offensive line being ranked so highly. Uh, but the guy who is in charge of the offensive line, Bill Callahan, um, talked about this group. Uh, here's what he had to say about the Browns line this year. <laughs> We've got a long ways to go in so many respects. So, you know, I don't think you ever arrive, you know, or, or I don't know if there's, you're ever the best because, you know, we just want to be as good as, you know, the top caliber lines in the league and we really work hard trying to give them you know tools and trying to give them different techniques and we spent the entire offseason you know kind of tweaking you know what we're doing up front so uh, we're never pleased in that regard uh, we're always trying to strive to do things a little bit differently than what other people do I'm not saying it's better I'm just saying it's a little bit different and I think that's um, you know that's 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 what you have to do in order to keep your edge, you know, and if you're not going to be on the cutting edge, you know, you've got to keep up with the trends in the league and you got to keep up with the various, you know, techniques that are out there that linemen will uh, employ. So I think it's really important, you know, to keep, you know, keep researching, keep 
your development going, you know, push these guys to their max and always have something for them. Have, have some new things that are stimulating that can help their game individually or help us collectively. So that's kind of what this training camp has been about so far. And Doug, that's the reason I think that offensive line is just going to keep getting better. He's just going to keep pushing them to, to try and, and improve techniques, try things new and find something that works that makes them better. I think on the, on the list of five ways to tell that your football team is good, somewhere high on that list is coaches refusing to say that good players are good. That's when you know you've made it. It's like, we know it. They know it. He's not going to say it. Hey, uh, Bill, you think you have the best line in the league? Oh, yeah, sure. No, we're the best. It's like, he's never going to say that. Now, if they had the 28th best line in the league, and you said, hey, Bill, what do you think your line? He'd say, you know what? We're underrated. People don't realize how good we are. This line is awesome because he'd be like pumping up guys who aren't good enough. They're good enough. So he's going to be like, ah, we're just trying to teach him new techniques because he knows what he's got. So that is a good sign for Browns fans. Make sure you look out for that. Coaches don't need to say good things about players when the players are already good. Lots of times your best quotes from coaches are when they're trying to pump up a guy who's actually not playing the way he needs to. Well, the other thing uh, that we talked about is Jedrick Wills and um, just the jump we think he's going to make because of what has gone on. Bill Callahan talked about the difference between Jedrick Wills this year uh, when he's been able to go through training camp and last year when he had no training camp, everything was done virtually. Where he's at, you know, this year compared to last year uh, is much different. I think that he's uh, taken advantage of the learning processes that he went through a year ago. And he's, you know, trying to accelerate his growth in a lot of different areas. And we're working on that component right now. I think um, for the most part, the work that he's getting day in and day out versus Miles and versus uh, Clowney has been beneficial. I think he's seen some different speed and some different type moves than what he saw last year in training camp, which is, you know, challenging his progress somewhat. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm pleased, but we're, you know, we're always working. You know, we're always trying to improve that aspect of his, all the different aspects of his game. But um, overall, a lot of good improvement from footwork to technique to hands and things of that nature. I just think, you know, for young guys that go from their, you know, their rookie year to the first year, they've learned so much. I mean, they see so much that they haven't been exposed to. So uh, it's, it's helpful, you know, or beneficial, I would say, having that year under his belt and learning some of the nuances of the position and then, you know, making that transfer in the second year. All right, Doug. So this is the same guy that, you know, kind of downplayed how good the line was as a whole, talking about the development of, you know, the second-year guy who is the 10th overall pick and saying how much further ahead he is. I mean, a year ago at this time, all we talked about was, hey, he's a right tackle. Now he's moving to left tackle. Oh, what's that like? Oh, you played right tackle in college. Now you're going to be a left tackle. How do you play on the left side when you put? He's just a left tackle now. So that alone, he's a left tackle. He's no longer a right tackle getting ready to play left tackle. He's a left tackle. I mean, that. I mean, that's that's huge. And and I mean, we all know it, right? We talk about it in everything. Everything in life is the the jump from year one to year two is the biggest jump because year one you're just trying to figure out. I don't know where to go. And who were the guys on this team that had the biggest chance to do that? Well, Del Pitt was out all last year. So, like, he, he didn't get the benefit of learning on, on the job. 
So I think it's Jacob Phillips and and Jedrick Wills that like have the chance for those jumps this year of like, hey, listen, man, like it's amazing what Jedrick Wills did, shifting positions in a pandemic, not getting as much time to learn it, and he still handled his business. You know, he this is a guy you think is going to be the left tackle for 10 years, but, but I think he has a chance to be a, just a completely different player this year than he was a year ago. And, and a year ago, he was good. All right. Doug Maurice, uh, Brown's columnist, uh, columnist for cleveland.com as well as the plain dealer. And I'm going to continue talking Browns on the other side of the break. Uh, when we come back, we'll take a look at the battle between greedy Williams and uh, Greg Newsom, uh, one of those training camp battles going on. We'll also talk Denzel Ward extension. Sports for CLE will be right back. Stay with us. Life is getting back on track, and you can too. If you or your family have experienced financial hardship as a result of COVID-19, Tri-C can help with tuition assistance. Safely get the in-demand degree or training you need with online and on-campus classes. Go to try-c.edu to check out our programs and resources. So, what are you waiting for? Register now for fall classes. Try-C is where futures begin. When it comes to selling you a mattress, most retailers are handing you a line. A long line of extra steps that drive up costs and create confusion. At the Original Mattress Factory, we simplify the mattress shopping experience by building mattresses and box springs in our own local factories and selling them direct to you. It's short, sweet, and simply makes sense. So experience more than just a mattress store. Experience an original, the Original Mattress Factory. Sports for CLE continues. We continue talking Browns football with Plain Dealer and Cleveland.com columnist Doug Lamarice. So uh, we're going to take a look at the depth chart on the defensive side of the ball now. And um, as you take a look at this, one of the battles at that cornerback spot, Greedy Williams, Greg Newsom. Uh, but as you look down this list, the starters are all veterans. Uh, none of the rookies um, are going to be listed in the first depth chart in the preseason um, on a good team as starters. That's something they're going to have to earn. So right now, Greedy Williams um, listed as the starter. Greg Newsom listed behind them. Um, defensive backs coach, passing game coordinator uh, Jeff Howard talked about that battle going on and, and what's going to determine it. Will it be practice? Will it be preseason games? Here's Jeff Howard on that battle between Greedy Williams and Greg Newsom. What I'm excited about this year is having that competitive room with those corners. And like you were talking about, is it games, is it practice? I think it's all of the above. 
Um, it's every day we want to come in and we want to put our best foot forward. We're going to compete uh, in these preseason games, in these preseason, you know, these training camp practices, and we're going to sort it out at the end of it. And we're going to see who ends up coming out the best. And that's really, you know, talking about the, the room in general, uh, competition is a big part of what we talk about every day. Uh, we want to be fierce competitors and every opportunity that we can, that we have to compete, we want to do that. And so those guys buy into that. It's something that we're going to do together. So we're not pitting guys against one another, but we're going to compete at the highest level because ultimately we want to have one of the best uh, secondaries in the NFL. Let's bring back in Doug Lamarice, uh, columnist for The Plain Dealer, Cleveland.com. Um, Doug, not going to give um, a, a rookie, even a first-round pick, that uh, close developing battle in training camp. So they're going to make him earn it. No, and, and you know, I'm, I'm not sure I, I wouldn't be in favor of both of them winning it or, or neither of them winning it and, and, I, and both playing. I mean, I, I don't know if you – you know, Ohio State that has done that successfully over the years, which is kind of like, you know, rotating corners. And it's like, listen, man, you're out there. You're chasing guys around. You're running up and down the field. We're putting you on an island. We're asking a lot of you, like, we're going to keep you fresh. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know that they've talked about that or anything, but but I, I don't think you have to banish anybody. I, I would very much be here for the idea. I, I much prefer teams rotating from strength instead of weakness. Like, hey, you know what? We feel good about both these guys. We feel good about Newsom and Williams. So let's play both as opposed to like, I don't know, I guess we'll play both. So I do think that matters. Maybe somebody really does distinguish himself, but you know, I, I think they both could be in a situation to help the Browns win this year and that you might ease the load a little bit. So I, I'm just throwing stuff out there. What do I know? But um, yeah, I think you're right. It's like probably you're going to maybe lean to the veteran early, but also agree to play last year. So that's putting a lot on him too. So I hope they can find a way for both guys to have roles. Yeah, and, and you know what? There's going to be plenty of guys to chase around in that defensive secondary all season long, so they're going to need both of them without question. All right, let's move on. Um, Denzel Ward extension, the Browns are talking to Ward. Um, just a gut feeling. Do you think that gets done? Are you? Do you think Denzel's willing to wait? What, what do you think about the Ward extension? At some point, we're going to get the producers of this show to write down, don't ask Doug about contract stuff. <laughs> He's going to be here. He's going to be here. He's going to be a Brown for a long time. I write probably. Does it make sense now? Probably for everybody. Probably, right? I think in the end, it's like you got to – some of this contract stuff, it's like you're not exactly – you know, whether he's the fourth best corner or the 11th best corner, like he's their best corner and you need a top corner and he's that you drafted him to be that he's been good. You don't want him to leave. So I think probably, you know, you might end up like overpaying whatever overpay means. You might end up paying him the same amount that a guy who has a better resume so far has, but it's just the going rate. It's like, again, what are you going to do? Not you gonna play 10 guys on defense. You're going to have a future where it's Newsom and Greedy? No, you're going to have Denzel. So, like, I have no idea. But, again, like, get back to me when it doesn't work out. How could it not work out? They they want him here, and he's got to want to be here. So, like, I don't know when he's going to go to the bank and cash his new check, but I'm sure he will be a Brown long term. But I guess I guess it makes sense now as as much as any other time. All right, 
So I set you up a little bit because um, Wyatt Teller was also asked uh, about his extension. Um, here is Wyatt Teller about a potential extension with the Browns. I can't really get too, you know, upset about the business and personal side. I learned that, you know, uh, two and a half years ago when I was when I was traded from uh, from Buffalo, and you know, I thought I was going to be a household name there, and I was traded within, you know, a year, a year and a half. So I realized how how the business side and the personal side, the personal side, you can love that city. You can love those coaches. You can love the, your team, but you're never going to lose that personal side. The business side is what changes. That's why to have the same team over and over again, it's just so rare. It's so hard to do. Um, and I think that that's something special that we have here is, you know, we have such a good team, all the money can't go around. It's just impossible. So I, I think that, you know, understanding that right is, is huge to the business side, right? Like the personal side, I, I love, I love Coach Stefanski. I love AB, and I love I love my teammates. But you know, there's also the business side. You know, I want to you know make the most that I can, right? Because that's really we we make this money for a short amount of time, and half the time, 80% of the league, or not more than half, 80% of the league is bankrupt after five years. So do it smart. You know, get what you get what you deserve, get what you earn, and you know the rest is the rest can go down as history. And I, Doug, I think. What Wyatt Teller's saying, he may well play himself out of what the Browns can afford to pay him. As as bad as I am talking about contract stuff, that was a tremendous contract answer by Wyatt Teller. That was really insightful. And he practically said, I will love Cleveland after I'm gone. Like, that was the only thing he didn't say in there. He's just going to be... This is the one thing, this is the only thing I've been consistent on with contracts, other than not liking to talk about it. Is I just don't exactly see how they can pay him or how that's where you put the money because there's a couple things at play here. One is that to me is exactly the kind of guy that like a bad team pays, right? That not, and I'm not saying it's a bad decision, but that like, hey, we're three and 14. What can we do? Let's make a splash with a really good guard, right? I just, it just that I can, I can see a team that's losing, like putting more money out there than the Browns are willing to go. And then the other thing is if you believe Bill Callahan is a offensive line genius, which, you know, you sort of referenced early on, well, do you think he can help coach somebody else up to be really awesome? Like, I I just don't know. It's not, you can't only judge by where a guy was drafted or whatever, but it's like Wyatt Teller, it's not like it came out of nowhere. Wyatt Teller deserves all the credit in the world. He's a, great physical specimen and you can understand why he's a great player but can the browns replicate a version of that with somebody else on the roster with really good coaching rather than paying him a ton i think so get close enough i think you can can replicate a a wyatt teller more than you can replicate a, a denzel ward or nick chubb or baker mayfield so i thought that was a very honest answer that sounds like he is preparing everybody for the very realistic possibility that he's going to have to go make his money somewhere else. But in the meantime, he may as well leave Cleveland with a Super Bowl ring. Yeah, and you know what? He's a really good player, and he made a really valid point. You know, they don't get to make that much money for very long, and um, they got to take the opportunities when they get it. Doug Lamarist, uh, columnist for The Plain Dealer, Cleveland.com. We're going to step aside, take a quick timeout. On the other side of the break, uh, there's a national pundit who thinks Ben Roethlisberger might have a better year ahead than Baker Mayfield. We'll dive into that 
And we'll also hear from Kevin Stefanski on Grant Delpit. Sports for CLE. We'll be right back. Stay with us. continue talking Browns football Browns inside out in Berea today working out because of field conditions and weather well Stephen A. Smith from ESPN tackling the question who will have a better year Baker Mayfield or Ben Roethlisberger who has a better season Big Ben or Baker and tell me why 30 seconds easily Big Ben what are you kidding me Big Ben Baker Mayfield is gonna be handing off the football to Chubb and Kareem Hunt that's what he's going to do. That, why were the Cleveland Browns successful? Because they limited Baker Mayfield to, to some degree. Now, Kevin Stefanski did a hell of a job. And Baker Mayfield has been, in all seriousness, he's been incredibly impressive in terms of his elevated level of maturity and focus and what have you. He needs to be given a lot of credit for that. He truly, truly does. He ain't playing any games. He ain't just doing a bunch of progressive commercials. He actually wanted more wins than more progressive commercials last season. I give him credit for that. He actually sought that and actually accomplished it. I give him credit where credit is due. But Big Ben ain't going out like this. They started off 11-0. They ended up losing five of their last six, including the postseason game to the Cleveland Browns. I think Big Ben knows that this year could be his last. They got the weapons. They got him a running game. They got him a defense. I think Big Ben is going to be ready, and I think he's going to be called upon and asked to do more than Baker Mayfield is, and I think he'll succeed. Well, um, the one thing is their line's a little shoddy and he doesn't move very well. So that would be the only rebuttal I would have uh, to Stephen A. Smith. Only rebuttal? <laughs> the first rebuttal. The, fir the first of many rebuttals, I think, is how you meant to phrase that, Dave. I think the other thing you have to keep in mind with Ben Roethlisberger is that he has a robot arm. As, as far as I understood it, when he had the elbow, I, I I think his arm is from a robot. So, listen, I, I don't even know. <laughs> I don't even know what to say. Can, We're waiting. Can, <laughs> well, so, here, let me, again, is it possible that Ben Roethlisberger could put up bigger stats than Baker Mayfield this yes. year? Yes. Yes. I think that is possible, right? That, um, you know, just the way the offense runs, whatever, I, maybe. But does that mean like he's a better quarterback or is it a better year, right? I mean, it's one of those things. It's like uh, maybe we're at the point now where the Browns have enough good players that that we're now holding the good players against the quarterback. It's like, oh, the quarterback's not that good because they have Nick Chubb and Odell Beckham Jr. It's like, I don't Is that an argument? So I do think, again, I don't know that Baker Mayfield is like a fantasy football quarterback, right? That Like, I don't, I don't know that I would take Baker there. Is he an NFL quarterback that I would take to make the throws that you need and like lead an offense and have like a better year yeah I, I would 
Um, I think Baker is ascending. I don't think anyone thinks Ben's ascending. Ben's hanging on. Now, the hard thing with the old quarterbacks is they keep hanging on. I mean, like Tom Brady is not hanging on. Tom Brady's still doing his thing, right? But is Ben that? I, I don't think so. So, you know, I'm not going to ride a Ben Roethlisberger train. And it's not because he's in Pittsburgh. It's just like it just makes me nervous of when is the end coming, right? And I think when it comes, it's going to come quick. And I think it might be coming already, right? So, you know, I, I mean, he could put up some 500-yard games in, like, losses and stuff. But does that mean he's a better quarterback than Baker Mayfield? I would say no. Right. I, I think the, the bottom line is you want wins, and, and I don't know that he's going to necessarily get the, those for you. Well, one of the guys that's coming back from an injury, a, a torn Achilles, Grant Delpit. Um, but Delpit now dealing with a hamstring issue on top of that. Um, so, really, the, the Browns can't get a gauge of where he is. Um, take a listen to Jeff Howard and Kevin Stefanski about Grant Delpit. He hasn't really had a whole lot of snaps for us, uh, he, but he was he was around in minicamp and he's been around. But unfortunately, I think he's had like nine team, rep, team reps up to this point. So it's been very, very few and far between for Grant. We're trying to keep projections. We're not really focused on that, kind of focused on the day to day. Uh, we'll see what he is when he comes back. Uh, but ultimately, we talk about in our room that who we, who we are as football players is what we put on tape. Um, and so we're going to make assessments off of that, not any any sort of projections. He's working hard, uh, Mary Kay, uh, to get back out there. Um, and, and it's just, you know, you can't rush that process. So when he's ready, he'll be out there. And, uh, and, and reps are a premium. We all know that. We talk about it all the time. So there's, there's no uh, substitute for, for those reps. So when he's ready, he's going to get a bunch of them. And, and it's what you do with those reps uh, that matter, as, as you guys all know. And again, it's got to be tough for Kevin Stefanski in that defense to get a read of exactly where Grant Delpit is because they can't get him out in, in team drills. That's, that's a concern. Yeah, obviously Mary Kay Cabot asked that question today, and I, and I know that she is working on a, on a column right now about that that will be up at cleveland.com about, like, what does this mean? None of that sounds great, right? That, that, that's not like, hey, he hasn't really been out there much, and you are your tape, and he doesn't have that much tape. Like, this is – that That would be a thing. It's not to panic about, but, like, when John Johnson signed here, it was two things, right? It was, okay, well, you're going to have at least two good safeties, and you need that, right, that we saw what happened with the safeties last year. So if you believe in Ronnie Harrison and you sign John Johnson, you think, okay, at least if you run that look, you'll be okay. But then we all talked about the three safety look you think Joe Woods wants to do, and you throw Delphit in that, and now you have three guys you believe in. You know, if if he's at this point, that does not sound like a guy who's going to be ready to be out there in a bunch of three safety looks at the beginning of this season. So th this feels like something that is not great, that is real stuff, right, from camp of, like, he's just not doing much yet, and now he's hindered again, and – it's just hard. He's coming back from a serious injury and your body responds in different ways. And so, um, you know, it's not, doesn't mean they can't be good, but, but the idea of the three safeties on the field together, all the possibilities there, what could Delpit be when he's healthy, having to put that on hold at, at least for now does feel like a little bit of a blow to the Browns sort of maxing out what they can be defensively. Yeah. It, it is just a reason for concern. And again, Still plenty of time, but um, needs to play a little bit of catch-up. All right, so Wyatt Teller, um, who we heard from earlier, 
was asked about his pro football focus ranking as being one of the top guards in the NFL. Here's what he thinks of that. Exactly that. I mean, uh, I don't really listen to it. I mean, I try not to listen to the good or the bad. Um, I mean, I feel like, uh, I mean, anybody who works in media understands this and knows that, you know, a lot of the media is overreaction. You know, you do something good. Oh, you're the best in the world. You do something bad. You're the worst in the world. So it's, you know, you kind of got to keep it with a grain of salt. Um, you know, it, it's a, it's a nice thing, but at the end of the day, you know, I haven't played a single snap yet. So I got to keep on going and, uh, you know, do, do better this year, stay healthy. Um, you know, a lot of things that I got to work on. Media overreacting us never. How dare he? That is the worst thing I've ever heard anyone say. I, I like Wyatt Teller, man. Like Wyatt Teller keeps it real. Like this is, you know, I, I respect like taking nothing away from it. Cause I have imagined if PFF had ranked Wyatt Teller as the, you know, 28th best guard in the league, he would have called him a bunch of stupid nerds. Right. So it's like, they rank him first and he's like, I don't really care. Um, it is funny though. It's like, in the end, it's like, you know, Oh, the media, there they go, judging people by their performance. And it's like, well, you know, sometimes you might play like the worst guy in the world, and sometimes you might play like the best. And it's like, when you're good, you're good, and when you're bad, you're bad. And, like, that's how we kind of do it here. So, um, but I respect it, man. I like I like the way Wyatt Teller is coming at stuff, you know? Like, I, I think it, it just feels like you can't hold on to everybody forever, but, like, there is a way to channel all of this stuff and just, and it you, it feels like he's channeling it, right? Listen, man, I, I'm going to try to make the most money I can, but I don't really care if people say I'm good or not good or whatever. I'm just going to try to like ball out this year for the Browns and see what happens. And, you know, I think if you're a good team, you run through guys like that. I think the Browns are in position to get as good as he was last year to get the best of Wyatt Teller right now for a lot of ways where he is in his career the coaching he has the guys he's surrounded by and the fact that he has a contract waiting get the best of Wyatt Teller in 2021 and then see what happens but I, I just I respect Wyatt Teller what he's saying and where his head's at yeah and, and you know what uh, the best of Wyatt Teller benefits the Browns and Wyatt Teller as well so everybody wins Doug Lamarice and I going to step aside take a quick time out on the other side of the break We'll hear from a national pundit from NFL Network who he thinks is key for the Browns to get to the Super Bowl. This one's a little bit of a surprise. Stay with us on Sports for CLE. We'll hear that when we return. working indoors in Berea. We continue talking Browns football. Kyle Brandt from Good Morning Football on NFL Network said this guy is the key to the Browns reaching the Super Bowl this year. I think there's one player who is the most pivotal 
when Hi. it comes to the Cleveland Browns and getting to a Keep Super Bowl. Go. And it's not Baker, it's not Odell. I actually think it's Jadevian Clowney. I'm going to go with Miles Garrett and Jadevian Clowney. Miles Garrett, I think, is going to win Defensive Player of the Year. Oh my God, can someone on the Browns coaching staff please take Jadavian Clowney by those beautiful shoulders and just <laughs> shake him? Just shake him! We want to love you! We, we were rooting for you! We were all rooting for you! <laughs> Jadavian, if not now, baby, this has got to be the season. You can go to the Super Bowl, you can change the whole narrative, you can do it all. And here's the best part you can do it early. Because when it comes to the Browns, you know what we got to do, guys? We got to check the schedule! Go to the Browns Cup. Who's the opener against? Wow. Who's the opener against? Hark! Do my eyes say at Chiefs? And we got an air horn. Uh, Jadavian Clowney, you better come out of Arrowhead with a sack. Come out of, you had a sack Mahomes once or you're cut. I, I, I don't want to have any patience with this guy. We've had patience with him for years. Garrett's going to do his thing. For the love of God, Jadavian Clowney, please live up to even three quarters of your potential. And I think the Browns could go to the Super Bowl. There you go, Doug. And I think he's absolutely right. If, if Clowney is what he can be, you have two defensive ends that are just going to create all kinds of fear for quarterbacks. That is not who I would pick because I think Miles Garrett has shown the ability to dominate games already, right? When he's healthy, when he's not battling COVID. Um, he's just had, you know, again, uh, last year he had COVID. The year before that he had the suspension. So we, we haven't seen a full season of like Max Jadavion, or of Max Miles Garrett. And so I think Max Miles Garrett, again, of course, having another guy on the other side helps, but I think he has that capability regardless, right? I just, I think Clowney is a bonus. And I, I just think like, I think they need great safety play in a passing league. So I think John Johnson's more important. I think they need to make sure that second corner spot isn't a liability that's going to get picked apart. So I think sort of think Greg Newsom and Greedy Williams figuring that out is more important. I think offensively they need to threaten people deep and complement the run game with some deep shots. And so I think Odell is more important. So it's just, I just am a little more bonus territory with Clowney that now Tack McKinley not being around and not being at all the practices, that's an issue too, because you got to have somebody there. You know, I think you can't have Port Augustine there. You got to have somebody of a certain level, but I, I just would put him, you know, I'm not even sure I'd put Clowney in the top five because I think in the end, I think Miles is Miles. And I think Miles has defensive player of the year capabilities sort of regardless who's on the other side. So I just can't put that much on Clowney. Okay, that's fair enough. Um, Kevin Stefanski, you know, everybody's made a big deal about Baker Mayfield's second year in the same system. It's also the second year for Kevin Stefanski with Baker Mayfield and calling the plays, which is an advantage for Kevin Stefanski. Yeah, I think that's uh, kind of what it is, Matt. Getting a year under your belt as an offensive staff, the communication that has to occur during a game, uh, the communication that occurs from, uh, between me and the defensive staff, the game management side of things. So we, we do have a year under belt. We, we know how we want to be better. We know how we can communicate better. Um, you know, and, and just talking about play calling, it does give me the opportunity to, to mention uh, we do it very collaboratively. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm very, very fortunate to have coaches on my staff that have called plays before, uh, guys that are, are outstanding on game day in particular, and making sure that I have all the information that I need. And again, you know, Doug, he's a really bright guy. He's going to play to his players' strengths, and now he knows them a little better. 
and he gets an entire preseason and training camp, which he didn't have last year as well. No, I think, you know, we've talked that about that a lot, you know, on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast and things like that. that there, there's an idea of, I think, of what we think Kevin Stefanski is as a play caller, but a lot of that, I think, last year, he sort of had to do what he was familiar with based on, well, this is kind of, this is my foundation. These are my principles. I, I don't have a normal offseason. I'm the new guy. I got to figure stuff out. So now this is like, right, I mean, whatever. Last year was Algebra 1. You know, A plus B equals, I don't even know what it equals. But, like, now you're starting to do the things with the angles and the calculus stuff. And, like, my senior year of high school, I started in calculus, and then I went out of town, and I came back, and I didn't understand anything, so I dropped it. So I probably shouldn't use a calculus analogy. But the foundation is there, right? The foundation is there. And I think it's I think the main thing that I, I am looking forward to, hopefully, is, like, smart risks that – all coaches would talk about limiting turnovers don't make mistakes, but you have to be willing sometimes to put it out there to really make a big play. And so you have to believe in your quarterback, know your quarterback. You guys have to be on the same page to take those risks because you think, man, that we have a really good chance of hitting that. And that's next level for this offense. So I think that'll help maximize Odell Beckham. It's, we talk a lot about Baker's familiarity with Odell Beckham Jr., but I think Stefanski's familiarity with Baker will allow him to try to use some of those weapons in a more smart risk kind of way. So I, th I think there's a chance for a big leap there too. We're talking about second year leaps, like a second year leap in the St Kevin Stefanski play calling based on the familiarity, I think absolutely on the table. Yeah, I, I would agree a hundred percent. The other thing that um, ha has been apparent and, and we've talked with Mary Kay on this topic a couple times on this show um, this defense is going to put a premium on creating turnovers. Jeff Howard, defensive back coach and the uh, pass game coordinator, talked about how important turnovers will be for the Browns defense. Creating takeaways is an absolute skill. All right, it's, a, it's something that you can develop. There are skills to it. Just as something as simple as catching the ball, how to catch the ball, and then or attacking the ball in, in terms of if, if a ball carrier has it, how are we going to try to get it away from them? And that's something that we stress here um, and something that we coach. As far as getting those opportunities to do that, especially in coverage, I think there's uh, understanding when those opportunities are going to come, um, being ahead of it, trying to stay ahead of the quarterback, knowing when I can be visual off the quarterback and when I can't, and then being able to look for those uh those opportunities. But another part of that is understanding our scheme. The more that you understand our scheme, the more that you're, you can put yourself in those situations to, uh, to make those plays. And as a coach, I try to, I try to teach them that, that type of stuff so that they, you know, can get put in those situations to make those plays. But it's something that we really stress. We try to teach. There's a real, uh, you know, focus on the process of doing that. And it's something our guys have bought into. So hopefully, you know, this, this coming year we can get it done. And, Doug, that's so key. If you win the turnover battle, it's something like 78 or 84% of the time. NFL team that wins the turnover battle wins the game. Yeah, I don't know if I believe what – I think turnovers are much more random than anything else, right? I mean, of course, it's like you want to work on – your DBs work on catching the ball so when the ball hits you in the chest on a bad throw, you don't drop it. The one thing I'll believe in is Miles Garrett strip sacks. Like that idea of like, listen, when Miles Garrett beats a tackle and gets around the edge, he's not just trying to sack the quarterback. He's going for the ball. 
that is that is one that I will believe in. Um, I generally, other than that, and I think a lot of analytical, you know, statistical people, it's I think it's hard to try to rely on that. I think a lot of times they even out over the course of time. There certainly is some randomness. Yes, yes, we know some teams are better at going in and digging the ball out from a ball carrier and that kind of thing. But um, I don't love turnover conversations because I think you're just better off focusing on getting off the field on third down because I think if you end up like relying on turnovers, and that's not what he said. That's not what he said. But as much as you said winning the turnover battle is a, is a great way to win, I think if that's your plan to win, I think that's a rough way to go. I think get off the field on third down, get this offense on the field, and that's the best plan of attack. But it also does play into take care of the ball on offense. So that's that's part of it, and that, that has to be part of that equation. Right. And again, I <laughs> <laughs> I, know. I love turnovers. It's like I I like I like 50-50 balls sometimes, right? Like I like putting it out there a little bit because sometimes if you don't put it out there and risk a turnover, you're not gonna make the game winning play. So I, I am um like, you know, I remember just remember Deshaun Watson's last year at Clemson, he threw a bunch of interceptions. It was like, well, it's because he's trying to make plays, man. What are you gonna do? Like it's okay. So you can't you can't do silly ones, right? You can't be dumb, um, can't be careless. But I think there's a way that you can take smart risks and man, turn it over, you turn it over, come back and make a big play the next time you get the ball. Doug Lamarius, columnist for the Plain Dealer as well as Cleveland.com. Doug, thanks for the time and the insight as always. Appreciate it. Thanks, Dave. Always fun. All right, Doug Lamarius. Make sure you read them in the pages of the Plain Dealer and on Cleveland.com. We're step aside. Take a quick time out. On the other side of the break, we continue to talk Browns football. We will be joined by Kevin Arnold from the Voice of the Land podcast. Stay with us. Life is getting back on track, and so is the job market. Be ready with the training you'll need to get a great job. If you or your family has experienced financial hardship as a result of COVID-19, try Seek and Help with tuition assistance. Whether you want to improve your skills, get certified, or train for a new career, go to try-c.edu to check out our programs and resources. Register now for online and on-campus classes. Try-C is where futures begin. The Ohio Lottery Partners in Education program recognizes role model students and teachers from across Ohio. Nominations can now be done completely online. To nominate a deserving teacher or student, go to ohiolottery.com. In the About section, find Partners in Education. There you will find links to the nomination forms. Students kindergarten through 12th grade can be academic all-stars. Teachers can be honored as a Teacher of the Month. The Ohio Lottery Partners in Education, where stars shine.
We continue talking Browns on Sports for CLE. So Ed Reed, former Baltimore Raven, on ESPN's first take was asked to um, mediate this. Who's going further this year, the Steelers or the Browns? Here's former Raven, Ed Reed. Who's going to get farther this year, the Steelers or the Browns? Man, that's funny. The Browns. Mm-hmm. I like, I like, I, this is actually a very tough question because the Browns have been getting better every year. Um, I honestly um, worked, I worked both of their games last year and I thought Cleveland would win those games, but Pittsburgh still hung around, man. And there's something about those Steelers and that organization that stays consistent and they always figure it out. They even had a chance last year as, as, as um, you know, the season seemed like it was crumbling, you know. So that's going to be a battle, truly going to be a battle. But I got to pick Cleveland, man. I'd just rather see them win. You ra- the hatred for the Steelers runs so deep yeah. that you can't. No, you just it, ra- it's not that. It's, it's, not, it's not that at all. It's just I, I just like what they've been building. And um, I got a little connection with some of those Mm-hmm. guys over there. I remember when Big Game and I talked to their rookie class, you know, so just as a football fan, I want to see them um, be good. Let's bring in Kevin Arnold from the Voice of the Land podcast. Uh, Kevin, kind of interesting. Um, a uh, Browns fan in Ed Reed. Uh, Browns fans hated Ed Reed when he played for the Ravens, but he wants to see the uh, Browns do well this year. Yeah, I, I mean, I think you can hear it in his voice. He was a little hesitant when they brought up the fact that it might be about his rivalry that he still feels with the Steelers. But that's okay because we have our own rivalry with the Steelers. So any way we can kind of get in the in the mind of a great like Ed Reed and kind of be put out there as possibly a better team. Now, we all know that the Steelers are a great organization. And it's not going to be a pushover. I know a lot of fans like to say that the Steelers era is done, but they still have coach Mike Tomlin and they still have Ben Roethlisberger, whatever is left of Ben Roethlisberger right now at this time of his career, but still uh, and a coach in Tomlin that has not had a losing season. So they're not just gonna go by the wayside easily. The Browns are gonna have to earn it, but a guy that's played for so long and is a great in Ed Reed to see that and kind of what he's talking about and seeing this team on the rise and talking to some of the young guys, seeing what kind of young talent this organization is now trying to bring in and trying to build towards the sustained success that the Steelers have had for many years before. And of course, beating on the Browns for the last several years, hopefully seeing the changing of the guard starting this year. Keep in mind, Steelers were uh, 11-0. and They were the last team to lose a game last year. Uh, they still have a really good defense. They have a couple of pretty good wide receivers. So you're absolutely right. Uh, there are enough pieces there that Mike Tomlin will figure out a way to win uh, a bunch of games. All right. Um, Browns passing game coordinator on defense as well as DB coach Jeff Howard talked about one of the big additions and uh, what he has seen from John Johnson, the safety. I've been... Really enjoyed working with John, uh, you know, even back at minicamp in the off season, he's a pleasure to work with. Uh, I think he sees the game really well. 
as somebody that's played in the league and done it at a high level, I think there's some things that come along with that as far as football IQ, understanding what offenses are trying to do, situational uh, intelligence, and he has all that. But the other thing that I think he relates well to, with others, I think he's, uh, you know, with his play, with his teammates, I think he's a guy that shares information, uh, is very team focused. You know, something that he's shared with me uh, is he wants to make, you know, wants to make other people's jobs easier. I mean, I think that's something that Coach Stefanski talks about as far as being team focused, and that's who he is. Uh, as a player, I've, I've been impressed with what he put, has put on tape. I think he sees the game really well, especially from the deep part of the field. And then just being able to stay ahead of the quarterbacks, and he makes clean breaks and gets into positions to make plays on balls. And I think you guys have probably seen the same thing. And Kevin, that was a, that's been a thing that has been a problem for this Browns defense for a number of years. Let's hope uh, John Johnson eliminates that. Yeah, and he was a guy that was brought in to be a leader for this for this organization to for uh, for this defense. A guy that in his mid twenties was already used by Sean McVay as a play caller for the Los Angeles Rams, and we know what kind of defense they had and to pluck two of their defensive backs in John Johnson III and Troy Hill from that team. But the big piece of that in free agency was John Johnson. Yes, he can make plays, and he's been making plays in training camp. The other end of that and what this team really needed was veteran leadership and a voice that they could go to beyond just Miles Garrett, someone else that has seen the game, knows the game, has that high IQ, and players are drawn to. I mean, they talked about it right there. Jeff Howard talked about how relatable he is to his teammates in John Johnson. So that's the biggest key because when a coach tells you something, that's one thing. But when a player echoes that and kind of takes it further and is leading you in that regard, player-to-player -player conversations can have even more of an impact on your success or lack thereof moving forward than even that coach-to-player relationship. So the other thing that Jeff Howard talked about was a comparison between Greedy Williams and Greg Newsom, the rookie, those guys battling for that starting spot opposite of Denzel Ward. They're both playing outside uh, for us. And then Greg's also, you know, taking some, some reps in the slot. I think they're both, uh, they're long. They both um, have good speed. Uh, they're able to press. I think they all have, they both have um, some good zone uh, zone reactions. They're comfortable when the ball's in the air. Uh, you know, there's there's some similarities, but there you know there are also some differences. You know, uh, Greedy has a little bit more experience, but what I would say about Greg is I've been extremely uh, impressed uh, just day to day on how he takes coaching, his ability to. Uh, take information in from the, the, the meeting room and really be able to take it out to the field. He's a very consistent learner. Um, and he's really, you know, I think he's wise beyond his years, you know, just uh, ask great questions, really thoughtful on his craft, on what he should be looking at, his alignments and all that stuff. That really stands out with Greg. But, you know, same thing with Greg, Greedy. He's fully involved with the process and uh, getting better every day. And Kevin, when you hear a, a coach talk about a rookie the way that um, Coach Howard just did about Greg Newsom, tells you the rookie's doing the right things. And it's what we've heard about Greg Newsom since he was since he was selected. Wise beyond his years is the quote to take away from that. And that's what you 
that's what you like to hear is coaches and even especially the position coach seeing that in a young player and a guy that hasn't played at this level yet but is already taking on those concepts able to play at this speed but also is coachable understanding he knows or doesn't know what he doesn't know at this point in the nfl he hasn't played in, in a game against another team he only knows playing against his offense his teammates at this point but still that's what you like to hear i think the pause for concern if there is any in that in that quote is he started talking about how both of them are similar and then glowing remarks for Greg Newsom. Now it might just be just because Greg Newsom is so new to the team, but Greed Williams coming off that, that nerve issue and those, those injuries over, over last season, you know, is he standing out? Is he not? And some of the wide receivers, I know DPJ has made some plays on Greedy and that's kind of been talked about from camp. Can Greedy solidify himself next to Denzel Ward in that backfield. And if he does, then that just makes that room a lot deeper in this defense a lot deeper because if you got a wise beyond his years rookie as a rotation guy, that just extends those rotations and makes this defense much more dangerous to go against for other NFL offenses and can hopefully translate on paper what looks to be great to on-field greatness this season. Kevin and Arnold and I are going to step aside, take a quick time out. On the other side of the break, we'll continue to talk Brown's offensive line and Bill Callahan. Sports for CLE will be right back. Stay with us. continue talking Browns football with Kevin Arnold. So Kevin Stefanski was asked about his offensive line coach Bill Callahan, not only regarded as one of the best offensive line coaches in the NFL, but a guy who is a former head coach in the NFL as well. He's very sharp. He's meticulous. He coaches his guy, his guys hard, but he's very fair. Uh, he's got a great demeanor. Uh, he's excellent as a game planner. He's He's been through a lot. He's seen a lot as a coach. So he provides great uh, value there to myself, to the other assistant coaches. Um, but then just on a on a on a specific technique uh, level, I just think he and Scott Peters do an outstanding job with our players uh, in getting them better and in, in utilizing techniques that get them better. So, uh, I think he's uh, obviously outstanding in that regard. And Kevin, um, a guy that's a veteran like Bill Callahan is a wonderful resource for Kevin Stefanski, and Kevin Stefanski is sharp enough to use that resource. 
Yeah, and I, I know a lot of people also wanted to talk about how Kevin Stefanski said he was going to call the plays again. And, you know, we before he even started or even had his first game as a head coach, that was a big topic of conversation because we had seen that before. But he has surrounded himself with people like Bill Callahan who have that NFL experience, who are able to help him transist, transition from just being a coordinator to having all the responsibilities of, as a head coach. We know what Bill Callahan has done for this offensive line and guys like Wyatt Teller, as you guys, as you and Doug were talking about earlier, and why if Wyatt Teller doesn't necessarily sign back with this team, why there's still confidence with Bill Callahan on this staff to mold the next guard if that were to be the case when those conversations need to be had. It is surrounding yourself with the right people. Kevin Stefanski has done that. And although he has so many responsibilities and may seem like he tries to take on a lot, he delegates to his coaching staff, he utilizes his coaching staff, and he also uses the information giving back that he gets back from his players to ultimately make the game day decisions that we see every Sunday during an NFL season. And it's why he got himself to coach of the year because he surrounded himself with such great and intellectual football minds like Bill Callahan on this team. Kevin Arnold from the Voice of the Land podcast. Kevin, appreciate the time and the insight as always. Thanks very much. Thank you so much, Dave. As always, always a pleasure. All right, Kevin Arnold from the Voice of the Land podcast. That'll do it for this edition of Sports for CLE. Uh, we will see you again tomorrow. Scheduled guest John Fanta. That's at 4 o'clock tomorrow. Have a great night, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow on Sports for CLE.